Bob, you ready? Let's do this. All right, so turn with me to Luke 24. And this is one of our lectionary readings from uh, today that we've already looked at, uh, just and we read, only read a portion of it. And I'm not going to, to read the whole thing here, but I want to, to do something, and that is make a bit of a comparison this morning from this story of the road to Emmaus and Genesis. Now, we know that, for instance, in all the Gospels, they are very steeped in the Old Testament. In other words, the background for all of the writers of the Gospels, and, and for Paul and any of the other epistles that we have, the whole New Testament really, the background, the backdrop, maybe we could say it this way, the operating system that they work from is the Old Testament. Now, I, I, I oftentimes find that people have a lot of, a lot of trouble with the Old Testament. You know, they've, they've got more questions about the Old Testament than they do the, the New Testament. And that's okay. Um, we, we obviously are to be students of the Bible. Um, but one thing I, I want to say just is this. We can't get rid of the Old Testament. The church will never get rid of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is our story. It's not just a Jewish book. It is our story. And the reason why is because it's the story about Christ. And we learned that from our lesson today here in Luke 24, that the stories that are given to us in the Old Testament, they're our stories. And so when we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, they become our family stories. We, adopt, we are adopted into this family, this elect community. And that, that's good news, actually. Uh, because Jesus didn't look badly at the Old Testament. In fact, he said this. He's not, one, not one word from the Bible, which he meant Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't even written yet. He, not even one letter. Not even one, one little I, so to speak, on the I. One little dot will disappear. Um, so we certainly... We certainly need to read the New Testament always in, with, the, with the background and the backdrop, the operating system of, of the Old Testament. So I just want to say that from the beginning. It permeates everything, really. And so we should be students of the Word of God in that way. Now, so, so what we have here is this story where you have a couple, two people, really, that are walking on this road to Emmaus. Emmaus is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So this is after the events of the crucifixion and, and also of the resurrection. So this is the same day, really, that Jesus rose from the dead, that first Easter. And of course, you know, just so everybody's on the same page here, we are in the Easter tide, is what it's called, Easter tide, or the Easter season, which is going to last 50 days. All right? And, and remember, just biblically speaking, Jesus was, was appearing to people for 40 days of this 50 days. And then on the 40th day, he actually goes up and ascends into heaven. And then 10 days later, guess who comes? The Holy Spirit. So, so, so Easter season is a time of celebration. It is not a time to mope around and, oh, I gave up this or I gave... No, no, no. It's time to have ice cream for breakfast, you know what I mean? That's the kind of season we're in right now is, is uh, oh, my kids over here are like, absolutely, yes, sir, dad, let's do that. Now, look, we got to prove it by mom, okay? Let's just be clear because you have to honor your father and your mother, right? And so, uh, you know, we'll have to talk about that later. But this is a season to celebrate because Jesus Christ is risen, yes, but also he's going up to the father. And remember how we talked about this descent and then ascent, and then another descent, but not by the Son. 
Not by the Son of the living God, but instead by the Holy Spirit. And guess what happens? The Holy Spirit is sent on Pentecost, and he is meant to take us up to God. You see how this works? And so it forms another V that includes us. Woo, that is, that's good stuff right there. Okay, so we've got this couple, this, these two people we're told, and, and we're, not, we're only told one of their names. One, one of their names is uh, Cleopas in verse 18. We know that. And so it, it largely could be a husband and wife, you know, that was, that was um, there for Passover in Jerusalem and are now, they're leaving, they're going away from, from uh, Jerusalem. And think about it real quick. Genesis begins with a couple, doesn't it? So, so when the Bible opens up in the creation story, we have Adam and Eve, right? A couple, isn't it? Now we've got another couple here on the road to Emmaus. And, and it's interesting um, how people feature so prominently in the Bible. Now, some of you may not be familiar with ancient myth. Uh, but myth, when you read myth, it's all about gods and goddesses. And if you could think of it in this way, it's really a lot of, like superheroes, Okay, so, so the gods and goddesses are, are really couched sort of like superheroes are for us, you know. And so if you had, I'm just asking honestly a question here. If you had the opportunity to learn about my life, you know, and make a movie about my life, okay, or to make a movie about the life of Superman, well, I, I think you'd probably go with Superman, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, my life is not really all that great and grand and something worth following and worth, you know, putting in theaters, because, uh, especially compared to Superman, because, I mean, like, he can, he can stop a bullet with his eyeball. I mean, who, could, I mean, who wouldn't want to know and see that? Like, if I told you, hey, I, you know, shoot me with a, with a 40 caliber, and, and I'll just stop that with my eyeball. Uh, that would be something to see, wouldn't it? Tune into? Well, the gods are like that in the ancient world. And so, so what happens is, is oftentimes superheroes, right? Marvel superheroes and DC comic, whatever, but also gods and goddesses, they eclipse, notice this, they eclipse humans. In other words, we're, we're kind of unimportant to the story. I mean, we're weak, we're fleshly. A sword can just cut right through us and we're done. You know, a, a car wreck, boom, and we're smoked. It's over. But not with the gods and goddesses. So, so in myth, the prominence, notice this, the prominence is given to, to the gods and goddesses, to the superheroes. But, but check this out. In the Bible, a lot of, the, the majority of the story, the majority of the story is about humans. It's about humans. Isn't that fascinating that, that God would, like, why would he write a story? I mean, you can't read the Bible without bumping into regular human after regular human. They're not these superheroes. They're instead regular humans like you, like me. And here we have just, just two people. Walking on a road, and in the beginning, two people, Adam and Eve, walking in the garden. And notice this, they're walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was, was really the, the symbol for salvation. It's where the temple is, right? It's where, where the sacrifices are made. It's where Jesus is crucified. It's where he's buried. It's where he resurrects, and they're now going away from that, just like our first parents, Adam and Eve, they go away from God's salvation, which was Eden. He gave us Eden as a gift. And instead, they choose to turn away. And so, so there's some symbolism here. Again, I think in the background of Luke's mind, as he's, as he's laying this story out for us, they're moving away from salvation just like we do. 
Now, they don't even know exactly why they're, they're moving away because if they really believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, I mean, wouldn't they have stayed in Jerusalem to see him and, and to celebrate with the other disciples? But, but instead they're like, man, there's so many unique things. And we're told that in the text later. Uh, they're, they're telling him, you haven't heard? I mean, what? Because Jesus is like all of a sudden just comes up to them and he's walking along with them, and, but they don't recognize him. And, and they're like, and he's asking them questions. He's like, so what's going on? And they're like, well, I mean, goodness, surely you're not the only person in Jerusalem that hasn't heard what has happened. I mean, I feel like the whole world knows. And that is, you know, concerning how this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was a mighty prophet in deed and word. Notice this is uh, verse 19. Before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, notice this, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so they're detailing, yeah, all these amazing things, but, but yeah, we're, we're going to scoot on out of town. We're headed out. And sometimes, sometimes uh, in my own life, I've, I've done that exact same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's beautiful. That's neat about God. Like, look what he's done. That's, that, wow. And it, okay, let's get back to normal life then. And let's walk away. And you just walk away. There's something in us that is not captivated by the good news of Jesus Christ. There's something in us that actually is anti-walking with God. It's fascinating that we, we begin the Bible walking and talking with God. In the cool of the day, in the evening of the day. Here, in the evening of this night, they are, again, walking and talking with God. Aren't they? You know, I think if you wanted to talk simply to your children or to adults, either one, about what really it means to be a Christian, it's walking and talking with Jesus Christ. Like, that's what it is. It's every day, as you walk through your life, you're walking and talking with God. This is the way He created us to be. This is what He desires to do. You remember... When they sin, what do they do? They go and hide, don't they? They try to disguise themselves behind a, a bush. And they, they put on fig leaves to try to cover themselves. It's interesting that in our text here, these two on the way to Emmaus, they don't try to disguise themselves, but Jesus does. It's the exact opposite of what's going on in the story. Instead of, instead of humans disguising, now Jesus is disguised, we're told. They did not recognize him. You know, we often find ourselves walking away from God more than walking toward him. Away from home, being lost rather than toward home. And the good news is this. Jesus himself draws near. Notice verse 15. Jesus himself drew near to them. And even in, the, even in the beginning, right, in Genesis, we have the same thing happening. They sin, we sin, so to speak, and we go and hide. And who comes looking for us but Jesus Christ, but God. 
So here Jesus himself drew near. There in the beginning God draws near. We're told that God came looking for them. And he says, where are you? And, and that question I think still strikes us as appropriate even this morning wherever you are. That is, where are you? Are you hiding? Are you walking away from the salvation of God? Are you, are you going away from all the good news and good things that he has for you? Or are you drawing near to him as he draws near to us? Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He was disguised, but he was disguised for their benefit. Just like when he came, he was disguised. He was, he was in flesh. If you saw Jesus walking down the road, he wouldn't have had a, a halo around his head. The door wouldn't open when he comes into the room with angels singing all of a sudden. That's, that's, that's not what happened. He was veiled in flesh. He was disguised for our benefit. We counted him nothing. And so here we see that God comes near to us. Even when we're walking away, God comes after us. He is, as one theologian put it, he is the hound of heaven. He's coming after you. So, so here's the good news. No matter how far we go away from God, no matter how deep into sin we go from him, no matter how far we veer off the path or walk in the wrong direction, guess what? His arm is not short to save. He comes after us. And he's coming after you. Some of you that are listening right now, you are on the wrong path. You're going the wrong way. You're walking wrongly. But the good news is this. He comes right up to us, sometimes disguised, and he wants to turn us around in the right direction. He wants to call us back home. He wants to reveal himself. You see, God isn't the one hiding. Oftentimes we think, oh yeah, you know, God is like, he's hard to, hard to see and get to and, and just, I, you know, he's, he's playing this game of hide and seek. But that's not the case at all. We're the ones who hide. He wants to be known. He wants to be found. He wants us to draw near to him. And he will draw near to us. So what happens here in the story, uh, they, they, they say, look, we didn't see him though. Uh, and, and so then he says this, oh foolish ones. Notice verse 25. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And notice this, this would be, this would be just... I wish we had a tape recorder of this, uh, this, this conversation here. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Now that's just a way of saying, uh, for Old Testament people, that's just a way of saying the whole Old Testament. The law of the prophets, right? That's, that's the whole Old Testament. So, so basically, beginning with Moses, and, and by the way, we just saw Moses, didn't we? Yeah, so, so beginning with Moses, you just saw it, Moses. Um, and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all. All the scriptures, the things concerning him. You see, all of the Old Testament, every single page reveals God's Son, reveals Jesus Christ. And so so he has this conversation with them, and as they're drawing near, then he's going to go on, and they say, no, no, sir, please, please stay with us. Listen, uh, wow, uh, we, we, we want you to come and stay with us now. They're inviting him in, and then notice what happens here in verse 30. When he was at table with them he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened does that sound familiar (laughs) we take the bread we bless the bread we break the bread 
we give the bread. And then the eyes of them were opened and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. So obviously this is, this is Jesus and he gives us his bread of life, manna from heaven, bread from God himself to feed and nurture our souls. And, uh, and so they even, even at the end here, 35, and how he, they, they told all of what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The reason we partake of communion is because Jesus asked us to. That's why we do it. It's obedience to what he is doing. It's not just a remembrance. It's a feeding on him now. It is a recognizing of him now. It's something that helps us to see him for all he is now. You know, you can, you can know a lot about someone and not know them. You can know a lot about somebody and yet not know them. I mean, I, you know, I know a good bit about C.S. Lewis, for instance. But I don't, I don't know C.S. Lewis. I would love to. It'd be great. Somebody can arrange that. Uh, oh, right, he's already gone, you know, so not possible. But one day I will, one day I will. But I know a lot about him by reading about him, but I don't know uh, Clive Staples Lewis. In the same way, we can know a lot about God, a lot about Jesus, and miss him. Completely miss him. You know, some people miss him because they're too far away to see him. They're on the wrong path, and they're too far away to see. But other people, just like the religious leaders, some of them are too close to see him. Think about this. They're too busy with the acts of religion to actually be with him and to see him. It's just like this piece of paper. If I'm too far away from it, you got to get it way out there. I, thankfully, I still have good eyesight, so, so I can't get it far enough out. But if it was back there where Bob is, I wouldn't be able to see it. I'll just be honest with you, I wouldn't be able to see it. But also, notice this, if I do this, I can't see it either. I'm too close to it to focus on what it is. I, it's too big. It's like, it's like on your computer. You ever done this before? You actually zoomed like 500% and all of a sudden your screen turns black. You're like, what, what happened? And, and all that happened was, was you zoomed into those words so close that the whole, I mean, the word the, for instance, is like, it's so big you can't see any of it. And some of us are, are so close, so close to Jesus, but we're missing him because we're focused on the things of God without God himself. We are looking at the gifts of God without looking at the giver. We are not meant to just look at the things of God, the gifts of God. We are meant to see his face. We are meant to be face to face with him. This is what his presence is this is what this revealing this opening of our eyes is i would just ask you do have you have you really seen the lord is it is it a matter of you're too far away to see him or are you too up and close and and trusting in your own righteousness you think you've got it but it's really it's really obstructing your view of his face today there's good news and that is he can orient us rightly he can set us on the right path. Notice this, when, when, they break, when he breaks the bread, he vanishes then. He leaves them. And, and here's what they say, and I love this. Notice these words here. Uh, and they, uh, or sorry, back up to, what is it, 30, 31. Their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight, 32. They said to each other, did not, notice this right here, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? 
while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. You see what they did? They repented. Repentance just means turning. It's a returning. And we can get on the right path too. You can start walking and talking with God this very hour. You don't have to wait another week. You don't have to wait until we come in here and come down to an altar. Listen, anything can be an altar when the Holy Spirit is there. And He is with us. And He is with you. And He is not playing hide and seek. He wants to be known. But He disguised Himself so He can slip past our walls. So He can slip, slip past our defense mechanisms. Because, because quite frankly, there's something in us that's really nasty that doesn't want the way of God. That doesn't want to walk in His ways. We want our way. Not his way. And so he slips past. And then all of a sudden, in something like the breaking of the bread, he's revealed to us. In something like the breaking of the bread, the reading of the word of God, even this morning, which is oftentimes referred to as the breaking of the bread, the breaking of the bread, sometimes he's revealed. And when he is, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't then say, okay, yeah, well, let's go back to normal life then. No, 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 let's turn. Let's return to Jerusalem that very hour so that we can praise him with the people of God. Listen, his arm is not short to save. Are you walking with him? Or are you walking away from him? If so, turn around. It doesn't help to go faster in the wrong direction. You know, if you're lost all of a sudden, it doesn't help to to go faster in that way. If all of a sudden the light's cut off in this place, it's not a time to start running, is it? That's like the worst thing you do when the lights go off. Start running. No, 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 no. Let's slow down. Let's turn around. Let's get the lights back on. Let's see who he is. Let his light shine in your life. And let his, his word light our path. For his word is like a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. It is by his word. And some of you, listen. Just to be honest with you. I think Jesus would say to you, foolish ones. Foolish ones. Slow of heart to believe what the prophets have said. The prophets and apostles. You, you, in quarantine, you've had plenty of time and yet you've not been in his word. Plenty of time and you've not sought his face. Instead, you've sought your own way. And if that's you, listen, I'm not just trying to beat you up to beat you up. I'm trying to say, listen, turn around. Turn around and you can see his face. Like, we have an opportunity this morning to actually see him and to know him and to love him. The risen Lord. This is not something we're just playing around with or performing or, or doing on our own. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And we can actually turn around and see him. So, what's our response going to be? One of turning away or turning toward? This morning, I pray that you turn to him with all your heart, that he opens your eyes to see, and that you see the wounded Christ who is risen forevermore. May your hearts burn for him. May you long for him. And may this very hour be when you go to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.